my name's Brandon. And if you're anything like me, you definitely had an emo phase in middle school. And if you're saying to yourself, Brandon, I did not have an emo phase in middle school. You're an absolute liar. Valid, 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 valid. But I'm not redoing that intro. Hi, everybody. This is Get Into the Groove, the podcast where we find a groove and we absolutely get into it. Um, I'm here with one of my favorite people. She's the delightful, the delicious, the delovely, Jajeen Genie. Hi. Hey. So um, you were in high school when your emo phase came about. Yeah. Um, what what was what was the one? What was the band? What was the album? It was My Chemical Romance. Really? It was, but it was the three cheers for Sweet Revenge. Ah, oh yes. That was it. That was the one for me. That was the one. Yes. Wow. I uh, liked Evanescence. I mean, I'm not proud of that one. I'm not proud of that one. It's you know what? Listen, there's there's a couple of really solid. Yeah. I was on the open door. Was I did song. not die. <sighs> yeah. The singles, I always like them. Like, no, those are solid. Sometimes Amy Lee is a good place. What? Yeah. All right. <laughs> did you say what now? I said Amy Lee is a good pianist. The lies you tell. She's not. It, she's goth babe, though. That's for sure. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, she's all right. Oh, oh, okay. Well. Perhaps my standards are incredibly low. Um, but also, we have here is a makeup master. I don't know about all that. And my very <laughs> own muse, she said it herself. It's Melissa. <laughs> Hi. Hi. You are a makeup master. Like, no. Okay, you are mastering the craft. What did you have on today? Tell us about it. Uh, well, today was something I, I, I didn't really know what to do. I'd run out of ideas, I'll be really honest. So I just looked up butterflies. <laughs> um, and I found that all this really cool kind of a, it's kind of a mix of uh, Day of the Dead makeup and a monarch butterfly. <clears throat> and apparently that's a thing. Yeah. Um, so I just picked up a few pictures and made my own uh, interpretation of the situation. Oh. Yeah, and it um, ended no, up taking the longest sense. out of all the eight looks. I loved it. Thank I you. I started it. at 10 this morning and ended at 2.30. What? Hey, it was pretty... The uh, complexity is in yeah, its simplicity. Complexity. Thank you. I don't, mean, I don't know if you could see it on the Insta, but the, the jewels and the, um, uh, the, the, you know, the little stick-on jewels that you have. Oh, yeah, no, so I have to say... <laughs> I have to say that that the body turned out a lot better on camera than I thought it was going to. (laughs) Like, it was exactly what I was going for, but I didn't think it was going to show up as well as it did. So that worked out well. Uh, Can we plug your... 
Insta? Yeah, my Insta is uh, Love Always Bebo. Y'all, it's a nickname. Get over it. Uh, but it's L O V E A L W A Y S B E B O. And I post every Friday. Love Always Bebo. And then I guess I'm probably just going to do um, a few people have told me that I needed to do a themed week for each holiday. So it's holiday season, y'all. You know what? Solid suggestion. Whoever yeah. that one is, give yeah. them a raise. Yeah. Whoever's on your team. <clears throat> so, Ooh, what was your what was your emo album in middle slash high school? Was it My Chemical Romance? Were they the band? Yeah, I mean, I get. Yeah, no, they were the band. They were the band. Although I was really into May, which is a very uh, mm-hmm. underground whatever. Yeah, but they were they were huge in my life. But my my whole like emo punk whatever gross phase all of this started out all of this started out with good charlotte and simple plan y'all oh, no. that's where that started oh, seventh grade no. yes don't tell me that wasn't a bridge don't tell me it wasn't because it was yes okay so yeah i brought you back i brought you all the way back everybody forgets about him everybody forgets about him nobody gets the, nobody gives him their how, due every time how i hear their song though i still am like oh, i'm like i focus in on it i'm like that's right <laughs> oh i'm like in it yeah yes we'll all forever have i'm just a kid and life is a nightmare <laughs> We, we might have to edit that out. For yeah, we might, we might, we might. But no, to, to um, the, the thing about this little podcast is that we are we are punk rock. We don't give a shit. And also, about I authority. mean, if you don't edit it out, just just for a disclaimer, hey y'all, we really love Simple Plan, and that's totally their song completely, and we own none of the rights to it at all, and we just are out of admiration. Thanks. <laughs> don't cancel us. So this one time, I went on a European vacation. Um, and one of my friends curated a playlist on a compact disc oh. <laughs> and gave it to me. And um, it was titled... How do you burn a CD? Oh, my God. Oh, I Let's go you. back in time. <laughs> he gave me... And it was called American Music for Your European Vacation. It was glorious. It had tunes like Brick by I Don't Know Who. Ben Folds 5. Ben Folds, thank Great. you. Um... Uh, uh, there's that one song. Take it to Manhattan. Cause oh, I um, don't that would be Take It to Manhattan by Straylight Run. Okay, yes. Um, it also included, oh, oh, which it's it, it, that's relevant too, because that is the previous guitar player from Taking Back Sunday. Oh, 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 oh it's all coming around. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep. It also included um the film version of La Vie Bohème from <laughs> Rent, which is a bit sacrilege, but. All's forgiven because it also uh, introduced me to My Chemical Romance um, because it also included the song Mama, Feet Liza Minnelli. Yes. Yeah. One we'll get into a little later. Um, and this, this, little, this little album was curated by none other than singer, songwriter, guitarist, music connoisseur. <laughs> it's your friend and mine. <laughs> it's Colton. Yeah. Um. I don't know how I feel about music connoisseur. <laughs> you know, if you're going to ask for a really great intro, you I might want to, like, come back at him with a better response instead of, what am I yeah. Um, to do? <laughs> Listen, it was going to be a uh, 
comment about myself being a uh, um, more of a music snob than a uh, connoisseur. Ain't well, that the, the truth, though? Okay, I'm sitting here trying to listen. I wanted to talk about um, what was it last Sunday? The Sunday before? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. when you attempted to write twenty songs in twelve hours. Attempted and su- succeeded. 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 Yeah. Just under the wire. How do you feel? How did it feel? Um, I mean, it's pretty awesome. I was fucking exhausted by the end of it, but uh, yeah, it you know twenty little little shits of music to to stretch out and make full songs. Little shits of music. <laughs> How was it from an outside point of view? Because I felt like it had to have been. It's a real boring. slow process to sit yeah. and watch, but mm-hmm. it's still fascinating to like be able to check in on it. Like, yeah, definitely. People, like come in every now and then and be like, did "This you, is a different song, and this is a different process of the song." Did you it's get to cool. see any of them from like beginning to end? No, no. unfortunately, yeah. I didn't. I mean, each song I feel like I took like 30, 45 minutes on, so. Maybe longer. I was popping in and out while I was doing dishes. Um, we're just going to get into it, all right? Get into it. This is what we're getting into. The album that we're talking about today um, is an album. It's The Black Parade. Wow. <laughs> wow. This is what we pay him for. It's Gerard, My Chemical... really sorry. <laughs> Gerard... Okay. It's My Chemical Romance's The Black Parade, their third studio album, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Three of five, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, came out in 2006. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, it's... it's, uh, it's Iconic. Iconic. I think it's the word you're looking for. Iconic. Um, yes, yes, yes. I was fishing. Epic. I was fishing. You Perfect. Found it. Um, it's iconic. Um, it's one of the, the... It's a tight concept album, right? Um, it's a rock opera. Yes. Yeah. Not yes. like an Andrew Lloyd Webber rock opera. No. More like a Queen Matter at the Opera rock opera. Mm-hmm. Um, let me let me ask you, music connoisseur, what constitutes a rock opera? Um, I mean, it's a pretty loose term for the most part, but uh, I think the idea is that you're sticking some kind of central theme or a story of some kind. Um, a lot of the time it's more of a story that makes it more like definitively a rock opera mm-hmm. like uh Tommy's uh Tommy from the Who or like you said a night at the opera um but this one i think has a little bit elements of both a story and just a loose concept that kind of gathers it into a rock opera yeah yeah uh, so what 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 is the sort of concept what's the theme what's the what are the motifs in this album what's the story well oh that's me melissa's thing uh, please (laughs) (laughs) okay so the story okay we were talking about this earlier the story is very uh subject to your interpretation as a listener for sure however there is a main character and a main theme the main character is the patient um, and the theme is death um, from all perspectives and uh, all kinds kinds of different themes of death and all kind of kind of all the emotions people go through and not just the person dying but people around them as well yeah. um, so it, it, it can be a story from beginning to end <clears throat> if that's how you interpret it it can also be just sort of pieces of 
a feeling if that's how you interpret it to be i've always interpreted it as a story because i throw everything into a musical in my brain so this i'm i'm so glad you said this because you of all people were the 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 actual person to show me the the album in its entirety yes um because my chemical romance is not a band i would normally go to on my own no. i don't think no um but um you kind of putting it in the format of a musical of you know taking the rock opera like literally um I don't know, help me like uh, uh, dive in deeper into the lyrics and like notice the theatricality that My Chemical Romance had slash has. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, all right. So let's dive into it. <laughs> okay. the, the, the first song, so the first song it's the end. It's the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always kind of taken this as like, it, it's very much an intro song. It, it stands on its own very nicely. It's great. It gets stuck in my head easily, but it is definitely an intro song. Um, so it goes into the next song. But I've always, I've always seen this one as kind of... Um, like if the MC walked out in the middle of the stage in front of the curtain and was announcing what was about to happen. Oh, yeah. That's always how I've imagined this song. And then mm-hmm. and then the, the song number two is where the show actually starts. Mm-hmm. Y'all just might be witness to us writing a musical during this <laughs> podcast, let's be real honest. Listen, they made American <laughs> Idiot into a musical they before did. this? No. Yeah. Unacceptable. I know! <laughs> anyway. I was going to say, yeah. the thing that I love about... The thing I loved about this particular song so much is because they, they like reference how initially it was called The Rise and Fall of My Chemical Romance or something uh, like that. Yeah. yeah. And um, it sounds so much like the opening to The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. It sounds I literally so said similar that. to five years. Like, it's lifting, there. when I, I realized it, like, it got pointed out to me and I was like, oh, and I yeah. love it as an opener so much. It's so fucking solid. Yeah. This no. whole album was uh, apparently inspired by three albums specifically, so say the band. Um, uh, and they, those are Sgt. Pepper's, uh, The Wall, and A Night at the Opera. Those are the three like main influences for this album. And for those who don't know, that's The Beatles, Pink Floyd, and uh, Queen. Respectively. Thank you. Um so yeah, Melissa, you were saying this this song is an intro that leads right into Dead. Dead Exclamation point. Formatting is everything in my ever so humble opinion. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the interesting thing about can I just say? Can you just <laughs> So the interesting thing about this song in particular is that the, the these two songs are the only two songs that are almost hard to listen to without the other. Yeah. Like you if you start dead without listening to the end, it almost feels like it starts in the middle. It, yeah. It's a little jarring. It, it's like it just bangs right into that, and it just doesn't. It doesn't sound like it's the beginning of a song. It sounds like it's the middle of a song. So I've always thought those two things just should go together. These the two things do go together. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, yeah. So we go into dead. Um. I. Cole and I have talked about this. In my brain, I've always imagined this song kind of being uh, sung by the. Um, the people around him and him, 
and the patient. Yeah, like the doctors in the hospital. Yeah, this is staff kind of where we, where we, where to yeah. me, in my brain, I've always imagined this being the place where we get introduced to whoever are the main players around him. So, his, you know, his immediate mm-hmm. family members, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Um, but so I've always, I've always imagined this as being sung by other people and their perspective on what is about to happen to him. Yeah, and them kind of coming to terms with how it. How there's all these separate vocal lines. Yes. That Gerard, I think they're all Gerard way. There might be some from you know Frank or uh, one of the other members of the band, but uh, it definitely is. I think meant to sound like multiple people are singing in this song. Yes. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I actually think it is Gerard way because they like they're, they're on the like the deluxe edition of the Black Parade. There's like a little commentary track or whatever, um, and they talk about how. Um, they really were really leaning into the theatricality element because Gerard was singing in these different like character voices. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know they were also trying to mimic a little bit of uh, Queen's recording process and making all these different vocal layers, which makes all the sense. Yeah. I. I mean, I this <laughs> this album would be hard to do live. <laughs> yeah. I remember reading an article uh, in Alternative Press back in the day that talked about how how much everyone in the band loved Queen and this album was really like kind of their love letter to Queen. Oh yeah. Which I think, you know, it's gotten both praise and criticism for that happening, but I think, you know, it's, it was just really cool to, to hear it from a band that you wouldn't expect it to, to hear it from. I also just think it's a beautiful tribute to Queen, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I think Freddie Mercury would be into this album. Yeah, oh, yeah. If you really listen to it, you can, you can really hear it. Oh, you can yeah. totally hear it. The guitars. Oh, Please. Brian May all over it. Please. But this is also kind of where we get introduced in my brain. Again, in my brain. Again, this whole album is up to interpretation. (laughs) So I'm just telling you my story. Um, But in my brain, this is also kind of where we get introduced to the the doctor character that makes a recurring... Right, that... uh, whatever that line is, you have two weeks to live. Yes. Uh, Yeah, and in my honest observation during this operation, found a complication in your heart so long because now you've got maybe just two weeks to live. That was amazing. (laughs) And this stream of nonsense right after that, I never understand. Just two weeks to live. Is that the most you both can give? (laughs) Uh, Yes, I think that's what it is. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that that line I've always imagined being sung by the patient. Back mm. to them. Is that the most? Is that the most you both can okay. give? Like, is, it, is that the yeah. best you've got? Yeah, like, is that mm-hmm. the that's really all you can give me. Interesting. Then it descends into a big group <laughs> number <laughs> with the uh, <laughs> the la 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 la. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that to me, that's always just been everyone kind of coming to terms with what is going to happen because they're just now finding out that it's this is it, y'all. We're done. If life ain't just a joke, why are we laughing? <laughs> why am I dead? The uh, third track, if someone were to give me this album and told me to listen to it on my own, um, this is how I disappear would be when I would disappear. Um, oh, is that your least favorite? It's not. I, like, just the sound of it, I know it's not my cup it's of tea. It's a weird. Previous, my. Yeah. 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 This, yeah. this is very <laughs> That's that's a shame on me. Too bad for me. Um which I I do want to jump in with this here that that's kind of like the point of contention with this album. Um it was a major shift in the sound of My Chemical Romance. And I think they made it very apparent that that like 
they weren't trying to change my chemical romance they just wanted to write this kind of an album mm-hmm. which yeah. they created the whole alter persona and all that kind of stuff but um yeah that was kind of the controversy with this whole thing you had um die hard my chemical romance fans who loved the first two albums and then they got served this which i think is an equally great album but in an entirely different way from the first two. Oh, absolutely yeah I, I mean i always thought this was like an elevation for my chemical romance i was one of those yeah. kids who went oh my gosh like y'all are really doing it this is this is what's up yeah, like this is that, where i wanted to see y'all that's you know like i i like all of my chemical romance <laughs> that i've heard it just kind Jeannie's of genie's in the side. minority genie's on her on the other side of that I, so this is how I disappear, which is is a song that I liked because it was like it sounds like the old My Chemical Romance. Oh, yeah, it's one that I, liked. Oh. I did not follow them into the Black Parade. I hopped off. I said, <laughs> "Damn!" I did not listen to this album until like two weeks ago. Wow. <laughs> See, that's I that is why I've that always is surprising loved for this My Chemical Romance. It's fine. It's fine. Damn. It's fine. <laughs> What a like, journey you went through. It was a thing. There were other, like, there were plenty of other fans who, like, we did not get onto the, yeah. the Black Parade train. Yeah. We said, nope, we're going somewhere else. And now we can go back and be like, well, at least I, I went back and I was like, I mean, I can appreciate it now. Right. <laughs> well, I remember a ton of my little emo friends in high school giving me shit because I didn't yeah. jump off the train when Black Parade came around. And I got farther on the train, okay? Yeah. I moved Same. up there and put a conductor's hat on. I was ready to go. Yes. <laughs> that's that's what <laughs> I always appreciated bullet. about this album was that I felt like it took the mid-2000s emo sound and elevated it to a different space. Yes. Now, it doesn't mean that it was necessarily a better album because it really exists in a different space outside of the other two before it. But it was able to take the sounds and like the the aesthetic of mid-2000s emo and apply it to a wider range of music and still be emo. At the same time, you know? Like. And also, <laughs> I mean, I have to say, I, I, I don't know about y'all, but the musicianship on this album is actually is insane. far beyond anything else that was coming out at that time. Like, they were killing it. <laughs> that This album is so complicated, and they just, I don't know, at that time, I just feel like they were in a whole other space Yeah, as far as that goes. Gerard Way had... Um, just a notebook of doodles and ideas and storylines and lines of poetry, just like just notebooks upon notebooks in his bedroom. Um, and they, on our notes, uh, Jeannie, you were talking about like, uh, you were really curious to know about like my chemical romances catapult into stardom yes. um, and like where they came from. And the band was kind of a direct result of 9-11 yeah like all of these things were sort of culminating anyway like gerard way was like you know building up stuff and mikey way was building all these connections with like the 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 post hardcore punk scene and like mm-hmm. he knows this guy with eyeball records and is distributing with him um and then 9-11 happens and it it shakes them up and like gerard way throws together a band in a month um and yeah like the rest is history the rest is history yeah the band that you were referring to, because we talked about this the other day. Yes. The band that kind of helped them up in the New Jersey music scene was Thursday, which is another, uh, yeah, Melissa. Hello. <laughs> another oh classic emo gosh, band. Oh, my gosh, on my 15-year-old heart. Uh, they're, they're the lead singer and guitarist from Thursday actually produced their first album. What's his name? Do you know his name? Um, Jeff something, but I can't think of. 
or Joff. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. G-E-O? I think it's G-E-O-F-F. I, I could be wrong on that one, to be honest. But Wait a minute, we're here. We're here. We're here. It's Jeff. G-E-O-F-F. Ah. There he is. See, Hugh, Jeff Rickley. Ah, yes. Okay. yes. I got you. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to the next track, question mark. The Sharpest Lives. Do we want to sure. talk about that? Yeah. What's okay, okay. So so real quick, real quick, let's let's go back for just a hot second. Oh, please. Just just because it's easier to because like some of these is just gonna be kind of repetitive or whatever, but I, I've always felt like the first few tracks were prior to him total, the patient totally dying. Um, and it's kind of a he's kind of in an out of body experience sort of situation where he's not quite mm-hmm. there yet. So a lot of this is sung by people down with him in the in the trenches. So this one I've always I've always imagined being a duet between he and his partner. This is how I disappear. Yep. Yep. I've always this particular song I've always thought of as like um the panic moment of finding out that they're dying. Mm. Um you know, like kind of not accepting that this is how they, you know, this is how I disappear. Yeah. And it, the way that he sings it in this song sounds very like angry. Yeah. About it. And I think that's why I always imagine it as a, like a spouse, like a partner. Yeah. Kind of just being like, th- this is not because you know it's like you lose somebody that close to you. I, I mean, I know a lot of like widows and widowers who feel like their whole lives stop when yeah. their partner dies. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's so how, sharpest, how I interpreted it. Sharpest lives. Sharpest um, lives. Kind of, I again, I feel like continuing the classic My Chemical Romance sound into this song. Um, it, it is definitely a little different than the first two. These both, both these three and four are uh, different than classic My Chemical Romance, but they're like, I look at it as the songs. Um, <laughs> so uh, I personally think that Jack White has on every album he makes. Uh, a quote-unquote white stripes song <laughs> it's just the song that you listen to yeah. it and it's like oh that's jack that, white yeah that's jack white from the white stripes like i know who this is i don't think there's anything wrong with that but that's that's kind of what a few of the songs in this album struck me as is like yeah we're still my chemical romance but like we're doing it a little differently yeah this one's my, one of my favorites actually on the whole album yeah i don't know why i think it's just the sound of it and it just the beginning part like the when it rains and it pours when you're out on your own just has always just gotten me so in a place oh, oh it's yes, so dramatic <sighs> it just makes me really happy i don't know but it, it feels very desperate it feels very like last ditch effort to make something happen before i have to go mm-hmm. like it feels very like you know, talking about like going on a bender, it's like this is it. Like this is the the last hurrah. I got to do it now and be <laughs> done with it. Yeah, because I'm almost out. But I also, as far as the musical goes, I was playing this to Brandon. Colton, you're gonna hate this. Oh no, <laughs> I I'm into this it. This is the give me a shot to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, stick with me. High <laughs> so, concept. Here we go. Uh, oh no. In Hamilton. There is a there is a silent character that is not ever acknowledged, but it is it has been um uh well, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, what? 
Lynn Manuel Miranda has confirmed, confirmed. It's been confirmed by Lynn Manuel Manuel Miranda that this is was the intent. But there is a character in Hamilton that's it's a part of the chorus, and she her main character is death. She's the one who carries the bullet when Hamilton gets killed. She's the one who's she every time any death is around, this particular cast member is around, right? And I have watch it. You will, yes, because you won't. You'll once you see her, you'll be like, oh, you'll notice she's in everything. And she's everywhere. Yes. She's in all the foreshadowing stuff everywhere. Anyway, um, so I had this idea that I really, because I'm I'm a big proponent of, this is going to be controversial, sorry guys, but I'm a big proponent of uh, of, uh, voluntary euthanasia when you're in that situation. And I think it would be a really interesting uh, uh, concept to see um, during this song in particular because I think there could be a conversation prior to this song between the nurse who's been taking care of the patient for however long. I mean, these Mm -hmm. nurses take care of these patients forever and ever and ever, and how she's just really stressed out about him being in pain, and I want her to put him out during this song. Like, I want it to be, like, a moment of mercy that we never talk about again. Like, it's something the audience knows. Yes, like, he's... Give me a shot to remember. That's what that's what sparked that in me, and not not like in a literal way is what, why it sparked it, but it was just oh, like. Oh, I actually like that. But the next the next song is Black Parade, so right. it's like she, patient's got to die next. Look what's gonna happen here. So I always thought that would be a really oh, like kind yeah. of like an angel of death. But the only people who know that this happened is the patient and the audience yeah. and the nurse. No, it's never spoken, but it's never about spoken about the rest of the show. It's never touched on. No, it's never. No, it's just like a moment lot. between them. I don't find that controversial at all. I agree with that. It's a, it's, <laughs> not, it's a nice little. It's I a never, nice. Write I've it down. Never thought about write it, it down. Way. And I have had also a picture of a musical of this album in my mind for a long time. I feel like I kind of like. We will stage this musical. <laughs> we are speaking it into existence. It will go out into it's the now ether. It's going to be recorded, y'all. I yeah. feel like I uh, kind of picked out some of the songs I didn't like as much when I listened to this in high school. Yeah. And that's what I made a musical out of. And I haven't revisited this album until like a year ago, maybe. Yeah. I listen to the album like 17 times a year, y'all. Y'all don't even know. That's <laughs> it's, so, it's so, I don't know. Even though I don't listen to it all that often, I still remember most of the songs, like word for word, note for note. Absolutely. It sticks with you for sure. Well, you mentioned the next track. The titular track. The titular track, the first single. Welcome to the Black Parade. The siren call for all emo children everywhere. I think if you play that. Except Jeannie, apparently. (laughs) That one note, (laughs) fucking anywhere. Love it or hate it. If you play that one note on a piano, uh, everybody our age is going to fill in the rest. You know what I mean? Listen, Even if we don't want to. Yeah. Listen, I've been to a few clubs in Wichita, Kansas, and that song has come on. Hoo boy. <laughs> it doesn't matter what color you are. <laughs> everybody flips the fuck out when that it's song just, comes on. man. It really and is you know what? Thing. I remember being on the, because, you know, back in the day, we didn't have these. We didn't have these MP3 players in our cars, y'all. We didn't have Bluetooth in our cars. Okay, we had to listen to the radio, or we had maybe, maybe if our parents had some money, we had a car with a CD player. Okay. I had the uh, the tape insert that plugged into your. I had oh, one of those too. Yes, <laughs> same. But that was one until you got a phone with with music on it and all that. I mean, we're talking like. Oh no, and I didn't have the phone. I had the iPod. You know, I, I had the iPod. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I didn't yeah. have any of that. Oh. 
Okay, I got an iPod in college, y'all. Right? So, anyway, what I'm trying to say is, <laughs> all we did was listen to the radio, and this song, I swear, it was on every fifth song for, like, oh, a yeah. year. Oh, like, God, it, was it was just on constantly, and they never cut it. It was the whole thing. <sighs> it was worth it every time, too. It was an amazing song. <laughs> Thanks, 97.5, Salina, Kansas. Appreciate ya. Which is See, so I funny. Was because... I would turn the radio station off. I was <laughs> like, no, I'm not doing Do you know what was angry kids mad at this album? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I thought it was so funny that because uh, Famous Last Words is the other single, I believe. Yeah. And I almost never heard that on the radio. No. It was this or Teenagers. Oh, yeah, Teenagers. Actually, I think that there were three singles total. I there think, were. I think those, those were, were the three. three. Um, this particular uh, track was um, one of the ones we were talking about earlier in that it, they had like sketched it out. Yeah. Somewhere along the first album, and have been like reworking it up mm-hmm. until this point. Um, and it was originally titled "The Five of Us Are Are Dying." Um, yeah, and they just kept reworking it, reworking it, and finally, it came together for this album. And it's set a record in a for masterpiece. One hundred and sixty-seven <laughs> okay, tracks. Yeah. I was gonna say uh, the music video. I think was like such a huge hype for this song too yeah yes it was yes. an epic music video. it's what established the whole visual part mm-hmm. of the, the album was that that music video in particular fun fact um the set for the black parade they spent you know all day on that set but then on like the same time they had to do the music video for famous last words and so they just chopped up the set for black parade put it in a pyre and set it on fire and that was the music video for Famous Last Words. <laughs> um, so first of all, I really feel like, you know, I don't know the whole story, but I feel like this was definitely born of Gerard Way's idea of that when you die, uh, you live like your favorite memory. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if this is necessarily an actual memory for him. I think he just got the image of like, someone dying in a parade showing up to get them in his mind from somewhere. Maybe he went to New Orleans for five minutes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. On That's what this whole music video reminds me of a little bit. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I also want to talk about the kind of the, the consequences of this album for My Chemical Romance, because it's in these particular music videos that Gerard Way is like horribly hurt. And I, and I think it, either Frank Iero or, um, um, one of the other band members was hurt as well in the making of the music videos for this album. Yes, uh, for famous last words. Uh, yeah, uh, the the drummer. Someone burned down on him. Yeah, yeah. He, got third, uh-huh. he got he had uh, third degree burns on his like legs. Oh, the drummer. That's right. Yes. And yeah. It was nasty. Um, but yeah, so that was the whole thing with this album and the tour that followed. P- members of the band were like in and out the entire tour, uh, either because they got hurt. There was one stretch where um, they got food poisoning and actually Muse was touring with them and got the oh. food poisoning from the same food. So one show, both bands got wiped out. Um, and yeah. Bonkers. Yeah, it's bonkers. Everything I hear about it, I'm like, oh my well, God, y'all, from- he got gangrene from those burns. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Horrific. Yeah, it's bad. Because he refused to get him looked at. He 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 they, wanted to stay and get it done. They talk about the members of of My Chemical Romance talk about how this album 
and the tour like almost broke them. Start to finish, like making it all yeah. the way up to touring it, like mm-hmm. the whole thing. The whole thing was kind of torture. Yeah, and it also like consumed their identity a bit because they. Uh, I don't think that Gerard Way like outright hates this album, but he has talked about how it brought a new fandom with it that didn't really understand the original My Chemical Romance. Sure. Um, and he's not really a guy that strikes me as, you know, being mad at, at his fans for liking different parts of their music. But, uh, it was, this was a tough one. It, it like, it caused some stress for these, these poor folk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When they first, um, I read the story of when they first, like, they played their like first two shows after recording this album. Mm-hmm. They went to the UK somewhere over there. And they played like a, a small show, and then like five days later, played a big show at Reading, where they were they they were after uh, oh shit, Led Zeppelin, somebody, um, and when they played their first show, they had an announcer say, uh, "We are sorry for the inconvenience, but My Chemical Romance is unable to play or whatever." Um, but they got some. Oh they got some close friends of theirs to, to step in and they come out Gerard way and his, uh, his sickly looking self comes out in his little patient outfit. And, uh, they say my chemical romance, fuck those guys with the black parade and he rips off the thing and they're in the full like regalia and they yeah. play the show and that show goes off very well. And then they go to Reading after Led Zeppelin or whomever, somebody, somebody big was like, playing before them and they had to follow them up and the crowd was like unruly. They did not want uh, My Chemical Romance. They were not interested in My Chemical Romance. Um, And so they started like chucking bottles and things at them. And so in My Chemical Romance fashion, they like egged it on. They were like, yeah, guys, whatever. If you're going (laughs) to throw shit at us, throw everything you got. And they did. um, Yeah, to the point where uh, every single one of them got injured sometime during the set. Um, and they eventually won the crowd over, but it took like a fucking long time to get there. Um, yeah. What else do we have to say about this track? Welcome to the Black Parade. I'm this is when the patient dies. That's what we have to say about this. <laughs> this has always been a turning point for me in the album. Sorry, I'm going, going, Janie. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I will let you go, but quickly, I just wanted to mention that the song was released on MySpace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it was 2006, <laughs> which is, you know, kind of weird to think about. Because. What a time. I mean, who uses MySpace now? It's interesting that, like, I mean, this is an iconic thing. It's released on a now dead website. Like, yeah. I mean, it's technically there, but, like, and it's crazy to me. You know, the Ots really never get enough credit for the amount of really good music that actually came out of the 2000s. Actually, yeah. This is one of them for sure. Absolutely. Oh man. But so our what what is the next song? I can't. The next song is "I Don't Love You," Colton. Uh, our patient has died. The Black Parade has come for him. Yes. Um, in the form of death. Death. And or rather, death is in the form of a Black Parade. Yes. Um, they take him away, and we go into "I Don't Love You," which um is. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I Don't Love You is kind of their first attempt at a real ballad. Yeah. Like, is, uh, um, like ever? 
or just like within the album? From wow. what I remember, now it's been a while since I've listened to the first three Makimoko romances, but th- they uh, they've done some ballad like stuff, but I don't think they've really done anything like like this up to this point. Yeah. Um, most of what the the earlier stuff is is a lot more like punk rock and roll little yeah. faster type stuff um but yeah miss jean has commented oh no i was just hyped over it because i i love this song so oh yeah it's so good i love this song everything about it's so solid yeah it really is a classic it is i was gonna say i remember reading that it was like again people god from like an interview or something and it was almost like a, a commentary to the ones who didn't want to stick around and follow them into their new <laughs> fandom. I was like, that seems so melodramatic. Yeah. Wow, really also, petty. I was one of those fucking buttheads. It was care. for you, Miss G. It was for you, Jamie. Not for me, I went with them. <laughs> no, no, you were the good kid on this band, See, I, I said I'll stay forever. This So this second half of the album, uh, Melissa and I were kind of talking about this earlier. Um, this is where I feel like the theme of death becomes more prevalent than the story. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think Gerard Way also stretches the meaning of death beyond just like physical death. Like this is the death of a relationship. Um, you have disenchanted later on, which I think is kind of like the death of a death of a soul. Maybe like, I don't really know how to explain that one as, as well, but this that's kind of where I th- I feel like this song ties in is stretching the meaning of death and what it means uh, to different people. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because otherwise, I don't I don't know how you could really tie this into the rest of the album. See, and I've always I've always kind of imagined the second half of the album going right along with what you said, but uh, bringing it back into like a literal way, I guess you could say, but I've always imagined the second half of this album being from the perspective of the people left behind. The ones that are not dead. Yes. The like, ones who are like, affected because, by yeah, death. Yeah, like I was, I was saying earlier, it's like one person dies and an effect, every single person has a different response to that and has a different sure, experience yeah. with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I've always just kind of imagined the second half of this album being everyone else's response to it. Yeah. And so it's like, it's not really from one person's perspective or one, you know, um, way of thinking. It's kind of all over the board. Yeah. <clears throat> but I've always thought this one was a really, uh, a, a, a goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> this one's a goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. This one's a, a very, very sad goodbye. I wonder to who him. Or for who him. Anyway, so this goes on. The next uh, uh, track is a wild change of pace, House of Wolves. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the band describes it, uh, Frank describes it, rather, as, um, like, it's the patient entering hell for the first time, and he's, like, in some, like, jazz club, and this is what the bandstand is playing. Mm Mm-hmm when he's there Mm -hmm. um this was also written okay so um i'm going to talk a little bit about the paramore which is uh the house that they recorded everything in this whole album they wrote and recorded everything in 
Um, and it's called, actually, the Grand Old Canfield Merino Estate, a.k.a. the Paramore. And it was built in 1923 for a silent movie actor named Antonio Marino and um, his wife, who was an heir to an oil company, I think. Her name was Daisy Canfield Danziger. Danziger? I don't know. Um, but uh, they divorced, and then Daisy's car plunged into a canyon. So there's that. Um, and then it... Uh, after that, it was a school for troubled girls, and then it was a nunnery, and then it fell into decay, and then it was restored to use as a like, as a set for movies and like a recording studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently, the place is haunted. Um, they were all having a really rough go of it, like individually in their personal lives and as a band when they were um, at this estate, yeah. writing and recording these like demos. Um, because it was haunted and the demons haunted. came out. For him. Mikey Way uh, was um, was on antidepressants and was also drinking heavily um, to the you point. They recruit for him. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's still you know like its own form of like I cold. No, they're coming. They're coming for him. Coming yeah, for him. he's pulling it. He's pulling a Jack Nicholson in The Shining up in that bitch. Fully, fully. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Mikey Way was away for a while. He was in like he was like seeing a doctor, seeing a therapist. Um, and Frank wrote House of Wolves while he was gone. Um, so there's like two songs that came about in Mikey Way's absence and because of Mikey Way's absence, and this is one of them. Yeah, I think genuinely for me, this is actually my least favorite song on this album. Not saying it's a bad song, just my personal least favorite. It was one that had to grow on me. Yeah. Like now I really like it, but I remember the first few times I heard it, I was like, I don't know about that. I just, I think for me personally, the latter half of the album, it's like not as remarkable as the other songs. Well, I um, will have to disagree with you because the next track <laughs> is Cancer. Um, and while, it, and uh, in fact, the the track following that is also remarkable. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about cancer. Um, this song. Um, I think this is my other favorite song. Like in these past like few weeks, listening to it over and over again. I don't love you. And this one really got me good. Are you in your feels? In my feels, right in the feels. Uh, it was one of my least favorites for a really long time. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. (laughs) Because I was very aware this was a concept album from the beginning, and so it did not fit in the story to me. And it always felt like that unnecessary, like, (sighs) what's this here for? What's the point? See, this is where Melissa and I disagree, because I feel like it's it it may not be in the perfect spot but i think it it belongs on the latter half no the then that's fine i just <laughs> i just don't that's like fine. where it is like it just doesn't i just don't love it and you could probably sell me on it or make it work or something but it just that's why it didn't sit well with me in the beginning cuz it just didn't flow well but once i kind of wrap my brain around it and listen to it by itself on other playlists away from this album i can appreciate it more so like it it showed up too late, the song did yeah. in the album. It should be earlier. I should w- be yeah, I want it like track number three. Because he does say uh, something about um, oh, what's the last line? Do you have the lyrics? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
because uh, the hardest part of this is leaving oh, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I want it. I want it before Welcome to the Black Parade, but I get why it's why it's afterwards, yeah. and that's fine. The tragedy of it all. The the regret of it all. The looking back and saying, "Oh, fuck! I took everything for granted." See, and I I've never. This has never seemed like the patience song to me. Um, I've always imagined somebody else seeing this. See, and that's how you can sell it to me being in the second half of the show. Because <laughs> that <laughs> it's, it's that somebody it's else, I could get it. I could get my head around it. But I, I always imagined it sung by the patient. So then it didn't well, make I'm any sense. Because from the chemo. Yeah. Well, it's, the, it's all like very, yeah. That's it's the all thing. very like person. It's all very. It, it strikes me because it's. If we go along with whatever loose story there is, then the patient's already died at this point. This is clearly a song being sung by someone who is not dead yet. Yeah. Uh, and I, I always pictured it as those moments in like a movie or TV show where there's someone who is sick and dying, and then they have like this fantasy moment where they imagine they're like a lounge singer at a club or something like that, and it's kind of like this moment yeah. of escapism. You yeah. Know um, and I feel like this seething undertone of of bitterness and disappointment is is lying in this song, and it just really like after you have had kind of the you know, the big ruckus number with with Welcome to the Black Parade, and then you have I Don't Love You and Wolves. The, this is kind of this moment of reality that comes back in. Because you've been whisked away by the Black Parade up to this point. You know what's really songs. interesting? Uh, and, 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 and tell me if I'm crazy, but I just have <laughs> a thought. <laughs> That's why I've been sitting here staring at you like <laughs> No. So what if I just thought if this is going to be in the second half, which is fine, I, I almost think it would probably, I, I almost think it would maybe be, okay, this is how I'm vision, envisioning it. Y'all stick with me. This is how I'm envisioning it. I kind of envision this maybe maybe happening during a possible, like, because he's already been taken by the Black Parade in his death, but we still right. have to have a funeral. Right. Okay. Like, I think this would be a great funeral piece, uh, but if this song were sung by nobody, if this song were sung by, like, the choir member coming up to sing during oh, them moving yeah, the casket or yeah, whatever, yeah. and it's just sung by somebody completely third party, unrelated. Okay. I could, uh, I could get by. Are you with me? I'm with you. I'm, <laughs> I'm here. Because it's like, it, everybody's, everybody's feeling that. Then it's that. everybody's like, song. Yeah, it's, of, uh, the, it, of course the hardest part is uh, leaving you right. for everybody. But it's such a ballad that it would, that I think people, <sighs> if you were in the audience and didn't know the song very well, it would take you a minute to realize what was going, what was actually being I said. Just, I just so heavily get the, the vision of like, you know, I've never envisioned a woman because it's you know Gerard Way singing, but see, I do. Well, the uh, <laughs> but no, the the idea of I've just always envisioned like <laughs> this person getting swept up into like you know them performing as like a lounge singer and they're wearing like this gorgeous gown and they're like it's like shimmering, you know, <laughs> and it's like them laying across the piano and like the heart is part of right. That's what I've always envisioned it as. I think you only envision that because of the way Gerard Way says his words. (laughs) (laughs) If 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 he pronounced his words any differently, you probably would not envision that. (laughs) That may be fair. But there's also, I just, I feel like that line especially is just kind of like, the the very end of the song is like this, this, 
crashing back down to reality sure. moment. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I can see them like you know, lying back into the hospital bed and, like, everything, like, fades away of their illusion and then it's back to them in the hospital bed dying of cancer. Right. I could see that, but it would still mm. have to be in the first half, then. <laughs> Sorry, but if you're going to do that, it has to be in the first half. Yeah, uh, there's there's so many ways you can interpret this song into a story. I think that's what I like about it. Is Absolutely. It? I'm just saying, if it's going to be the patient, it's going to be in the first half. If it's going to be a third party, it's going to be in the second half. That's our deal, Colton. It could be a different have patient. To figure it that have out. To be the same patient. No, we're too focused. We've got too much going on already. Moving <laughs> on. I'm so sorry. Oh, we're moving on. Um, to one of my favorite tracks. To my favorite track. Uh, Melissa's number one. Number one. Mama? Mama. Mama. It is the Mama. most dramatic and ridiculous freaking Get song I've now, ever Mama. heard in my entire life, and I love it. Uh, yeah. And also, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sure we'll get there. Go on. <laughs> no, what were you going to say? This is your show. No, no what were you, you going to say? Go, you 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 go. I just wonder what you said. What are you going to say? Um, so the, I was just going to give a little bit of the origins of the song. So this was plucked out during a sound check while they were on tour. Um, and then they uh, just kept reworking it and reworking it in New York and then at the Paramore. And um, they said that once they once they got the song tracked, it was number two, like Black Parade being the song with the most tracks. This was right underneath it. Um, it is complicated. There's a lot going on. There's, there's a lot of layers. A lot yeah. going a lot of layers on. to this one. Yeah. It's a big uh, number. They decided once they solidified this, like this this song was really uh, the thing that sort of tightened the concept where they realized, oh, these songs do not belong here. These songs do. This was like the definitive song to really like snap them into focus. What's interesting um, about it is too, is for me personally, this was the song on the album that snapped the album into focus for me. Like, if I, once I hit this in the second half of the album, I was like, oh, okay, and I'm back in it. Like, I don't know. There's, like, some lull between Black Parade and this that I love those songs, but there's a lull for me. Two ballads in a weird, like, Yeah, and then you place. slam into Mama, and it's like, uh, oh, and we're back. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that line with Liza with the Z. <laughs> you guys, do you know the story about that? Um, I... Well, I know a story. What's your what's, what's the story? You the, know? the story that I know is that, like, you know, Ger- Gerard wanted to sort of like Judy Garland somewhere over the rainbow quality of that line. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what's the producer? Rob Cavallo? Yeah. Bob, I think. Bob Cavallo. Yeah. Bob yes. Cavallo. Um, he, uh, like, heard that, got on the phone for like four seconds, and then, like, hung up and was like, oh, I love Liza Minnelli. And like two days later, she showed up to the studio or some bullshit. See, the story that I read was that she was in the studio when they were recording this, and they needed someone to do that. That's so that was uh, the plan, but she was already in the studio, and they uh, just kind of like, "Hey, would you mind doing this one line?" She was like, "Sure." See, this is when people talk about recording studios having like magical qualities to them or whatever. It's stuff like this, like. There's always just one track that's like, oh, this person happened to be in the building, so we yeah. like laid it down right, right. then and there. <laughs> it's remember, like, it's who, like, who could imagine Liza Minnelli and My Chemical <laughs> Romance in the same recording? No, no. The first no, time no, I no, heard no. this, and, and we got, and I got to that part, I stopped it, and I said, I know that voice. Who is that? <laughs> I had to like look it up, well, and I was like, that's. 
it's so funny to me that you say that because I put this on his compilation album, right? I, I had mean, no idea it was Liza Minnelli. No? I had didn't? no idea. Oh my God, that's hysterical. No, I didn't know it it's was Liza. Way, it was the way she pronounced sweetheart. sweetheart. And if you would call me a sweetheart, I'd maybe the sing you a song. <laughs> I mean, she pronounces there things so... Oddly, yeah. she's so her mother's child. Like, yeah. I mean, she does sound like herself, but she is Judy Garland's child. Anyway, Vincent Minnelli. Vincent. Vincent in the closet, Minnelli. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Um, so, okay, as far as story, what's going on here? R.I.P. Vincent Minnelli. Um, what's the story here? Yeah, what's going on here? No. Who, whose story is this? A lot of tongue popping going on in this. Recording right now. <laughs> this has always one. kind of been to me like a love letter to to the patient's actual mom. Like I think this is a little a little bit literal, actual but mom. from hell, like from oh, yeah. the after, like like this is where we are. There is nothing else. Like this is it. Like <laughs> there is no heaven. There is no none of that crap that you're believing in. None of that crap you're praying about up there. That's not what's going on. That's not where we're being sent. Like, this is kind of how I've always imagined this song was this kind of, like, petty, like, I could have been better, but this is what we're all going to get anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, so here we go, Mom. You ready? Like, kind of a reality check for you. Know, sometimes you have those real hard conversations with your parents and you're and when you're an adult and you're kind of, like, reality checking them. Tell I always felt it. like this is a reality <laughs> check to Mom. Yeah. Like, that's how I always imagined the song was a reality check to Mom. Like we're That's all we're all fucked up. We're all going here. There's nothing you can fucking do about it. Deal with it. And I was who I was, and you are who you are. Truth. Damn. Damn. I don't know what else could be said about that track. That's that. it. You thought about it very hard. <laughs> <laughs> so the next track is Sleep. Uh. Um as far as like the song is concerned, it's inspired by uh, so Dune in the eighties, the movie. Oh really? Um, <laughs> the who uh, Toto did the soundtrack for it, right? Oh like my the, gosh! Not the soundtrack, the score for it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so this song is based off like the second we're, to last. We're song. talking David Lynch's Dune, right? Is that right? Is that who did it in the 80s? I think it was David 83, Lynch. 83, 84? Yeah. Fat checker, we do mind. Yeah, no, I got you, I got you, I got you, Kyle, I got you. Kyle, Kyle McLaughlin was in that one. Is this a oh, movie? Yeah. It is. Yeah. 1984? Yes. Yeah. There's apparently a uh, remake coming up in 2021, yes, y'all. Yeah. Starring Timothy, Timothy, Timothy Chalamet. Great. What are y'all asking who? me? David Lynch. Who? Did <laughs> David Lynch direct that? Yes. Okay, so oh. correct. Okay, so the 1984 June. <laughs> directed by David Lynch. I still got it. <laughs> uh, score by Toto. This song is, uh, is sort of like based on that, and you can absolutely hear the similarities. It's crazy. Um, this is my least favorite song on the whole album. This one? Yeah, I always skip it. <sighs> It's, it, really? it, part of it is not just the song itself; it's the way he pronounces "sleep." Just so we get sleep. to the sleep situation, right? And I just, you know, my classically trained mind just goes, oh, "I can't." But it's such 
signature Gerard Way vowel pronunciation. Absolutely, <laughs> it's, just, it's my personal preference. I just go. I've heard one too many sleeps. Gerard Way, goodbye. Just sleep. Slip. It's still. It's still, it's still with an e h. <laughs> This was the so at the beginning of the track you see you hear like um like the 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 thing talking about um he has nightmares but they're more like tremors mm-hmm. like you feel like that it's him talking about him having nightmares at the Paramore where they're like recording this fucking album so like this song is based on that experience like he's having these tremors at the because and uh Mikey who I think is all but insane at this point, um, was having was waking up in the middle of the night also and going to his brother's room to sleep. Um, but he was also drinking a whole bunch. Um, but anyway, this song is sort of based on that experience. Hmm. Of waking up from like tremors and demons. Listen, as a person who has like suffered from like sleep paralysis and like sometimes experiences scary shit like that, uh I appreciate this particular track, but also it's so scary to hear that. Like, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like that story? Yes, it's yeah. terrifying me. I'm yeah. like, he I... is being, like, haunted by something. Mm. Yeah. I just, like, there there are two other albums I can think of that have similar stories to this one. Um, one of them is a Mars Volta album uh, where they found a fucking Ouija board. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes, and they were being advised by like a demon, basically. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, that album, the what their record producer. This is just a fun fact that's not related to this album, but their record producer for that album quit because he said that <laughs> you guys are doing evil things. Correct. With this music. Correct. <laughs> so he quit, and they had to hire another producer. That is Bedlam and Goliath for those who. Uh, that's the name of the album. That's the name of the album. And look up the story too. It's nuts. It Wild. Is nuts. <laughs> what was the other album you said? Uh, the other one, I can't remember the band, but it was a similar one. They were exploring a. This is a metal band. They were exploring a uh, burned down insane asylum, and they found a journal no. of. <laughs> Of a person who used to be in the insane asylum, and it was like a schizophrenic person. Oh wow! Oh yeah, Ooh, that was a spooky, very well written metal album. If I wish I could remember the band, but back in my alternative press days, that's <laughs> so. For this track, <laughs> um, uh, Bobby Cavallo apparently came up with two new guitar tones for this track. And they're called Blackfire and Nemesis. What are guitar co- tones? Guitar cones. Um, well, guitar a tones. lot of the times it's, it depends. Um, w- what are they referring to when they're talking about that? They're referring to like a, the way one of the guitars sounds. Um, okay. It's kind of hard to describe which one in particular that they're talking about. But I, I use Jack White as an example. Jack White... Uh, pretty much every album he makes, he makes like a new guitar pedal because he did something in the studio with production that you couldn't produce normally with mm-hmm. like a guitar pedal. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's basically something being done to the guitar that you wouldn't normally be able to do without the assistance of a studio. There's some real serious musical engineering going on. Yes, oh. yeah, yeah. It's basically like it's a tone that like once you've made it, you can put it into a pedal or something like that. But like before that, it's like they're they're pioneering a new sound, basically, like a, a new guitar tone. Yeah, it happens a lot more than you think, but it is all basically derivative of sounds that already exist. You need to pioneer a new way to say a vowel. Oh. <laughs> Slip. Oh, my God. <laughs> so are, are you over this, Melissa? Yeah, Do I'm over this damn song. <laughs> let's, let's move on to... The, Although this is kind of the moment for me, particularly uh, when I, I think the patient is really coming to terms with... The fact that it's the over, reality. like it's really done, and they are dead, and they just want everybody else to just shut the fuck up and go to sleep. Y'all be alright. That's that, that's this is the y'all be alright song. <laughs> I love this idea. Y'all be alright. <laughs> well, I I mentioned earlier too um, how I felt like the second half is almost kind of like Christmas Carol in the sense it's, of mm. like. The patient is being guided through these visions, kind of a thing. Yeah. For sure. I feel like sure. this is definitely the point where Ebenezer Scrooge is like, "No, no more, no more." No more. Um, teenagers would scare the shit out of Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the next track, isn't it? It is the next track. It oh, is the next track. We were those teenagers scaring the shit out of people. You know, I this song has always fascinated me because uh, number one, it's a divisive lyrically because it's you know talking about school shootings and stuff. But this song, for some reason, is the song that I've had arguments with people about whether it's like a good song or not. Oh, I have strong feelings about this song. <laughs> it's not always been one of my favorites. I've always enjoyed it just because it's like you know. It's a goofy sing-along song. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I don't know why it's on this album. I love it. (laughs) That's my question. I love the song itself. I do not know why it's on this album. I think it's two things. One, I think it's continuing the theme of the the Christmas Carol thing where it's just going through another vision. And it's talking about (laughs) school shootings, which at the time it was very odd that they brought up the subject of school shootings because it had not escalated to where it's been going to mm-hmm. in the last decade or so. But um yeah, I don't know. I think <laughs> I think it's genuinely just that they had this little idea for a song floating around and it ended up, you know, being like, "Hey, we kind of like this one. Let's slap it in the album." Yeah, no, I personally think they were just like, "We really love this and we're just going to put yeah. it out." It yeah. was far more difficult actually than all that. Uh, like really? Gerard and Ray were the two people that liked the song and the, the rest of the band was like, "Oh yeah, this is fun. Let's just fuck around." And then like uh Gerard wanted to like record it and we're like, N- n- "What?" Really? No. <laughs> what? This one? That's funny. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. sense. Yeah, because it sounds like some fucking shit it. you just made up in your garage. Right. Like that's what I'm precisely. This is what which happened. is fine, but it's just like I don't want this album. Yeah, it's a, such a it's such a high concept <laughs> album for a song like this to just just throw it in there. You know, I think that's the thing with 
with concepts al- albums, though, very rarely do they actually stick 100% to the concept that they're trying to go with. Well, why not? It's hard. I mean, I know, but, like, like <laughs> I'd rather you like I'd rather you go all over the place more often than not. Like, I'd rather there be five songs on this album that I'm not quite sure why they're here or I'm trying to figure out where they fit than have mm. one song that sticks out going, mm. why is this here? This is the one song that I don't understand being on this album in particular. Yeah. I can see this song being on any other album. I love the song. It's great, but I just I don't think, get it in the grand scheme of things. I think genuinely the only thing that really ties it is just the idea of death. That's it would be a curtain call. Well. <laughs> it would be a curtain call. But then what it do would you, be bows. This you, would be bows. I don't want to jump too soon, but then what do you do with blood? Because that's always struck me. This would be bows at least. <laughs> This okay. would be bad. All right, well, let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But anyway, I think that's the only thing that can possibly tie it is just the idea of death. I guess. That makes sense. And uh, what you were saying about, you know, like, the, the idea of school shootings, that's, yeah, yeah, kind of the whole thing where, like, kids are kind of put into this pressure cooker and, like, over-medicated and over-supervised, mm. over-stimulated that they just kind of, like, kids just kind of, resort to violence um there is such thing as over supervised (laughs) yeah um i have a note about the daily mail in here because i did want to tie into it um and it's really interesting that there this song kind of invokes a lot of violence from teenagers because gerard way in the band um did a lot to fight against that stereotype of like emo music promoting self-harm and violence and all this stuff um the day, does anybody have uh, like? Can, could anyone put it in a better story than myself? Yes. Of, yeah. Please I can talk about this. Take Daily it away. Tell us about the Daily, Daily Mail controversy. So the Daily Mail controversy. Uh, the Daily Mail released an article. Um, I can't remember the exact name out of it, but it was a 13-year-old girl who apparently committed suicide, and uh, it was something along the lines of like the secret life of like. But yeah, it, they tried to make it a tie between the music of My Chemical Romance and other emo bands at the time and her committing suicide and that these bands were like, you know, glorifying suicide and all that kind of stuff. Just your general boilerplate moms against rock and roll kind of thing. And even the term emo is not like really used amongst the bands that... No, they were talking about it at that time. I mean, do we do we really want to get into the, all of the the politics of the word emo? I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't know, but like as you, a blanket statement, like those those bands that they were yeah, talking no, about, you're right, not like you're describe right. themselves I as emo. Love to have that conversation. Right. Well, because they they, they Bonus weren't. Episode. They were not authentically emo. There was a whole genre in the the late '90s and early 2000s that actually was called emo. But uh, I think it was more so this generation of emo tied much more into goth look and I think at that time people just still did not understand the whole goth thing they thought it was you know just Satan worshipping devil type stuff and I think a lot of people who were considering themselves goth or emo at this point in time uh, (laughs) didn't really view themselves that way yeah or if they did they were um trying to uh, trying to fit into something that they 
they felt like they belonged to a part of it, you know. I I didn't ever have the the look right, but I was hardcore into metal music at this time. Uh, you couldn't have come home with that, Colin. You come home with that. Two thousand six. For a fun fact for me was also when Under Oaths to Find the Great Line came out. Oh Lord! And good Lord, did I love that album. And I still do. Good. That was such a good album, Colton. <laughs> that was such a good album. That's a whole other conversation. Now. Okay, but yeah, that's 2006 was a big year in music. Miss <laughs> Jean. You know, mine was just like a weird little tangent on like the surge of like fashions and like mm. subcultural kind of things going on. Or maybe even countercultural. But, like, yeah. for me, like, my mom didn't care quite. Like, I didn't dress like a hardcore, like, emo kid. But there was definitely, like, an aesthetic going on. Mm-hmm. And my mom had been, like, really into, like, hair bands in the 80s. And so I think in her mind, like, it was, I guess she didn't really care too much. Because she was like, yeah, I've seen the guys with the eyeliner and the big hair and the fucking whatever, right. you know. But it's just interesting with these weird, like, subcultural fashions. This was another time where, like, an old fashioned really peaked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you had really grunge was the, the one right before. And can we talk? I mean, not we don't have to talk about it, obviously, but I just want to touch on real fast how much of that stuff people still wear. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, the stuff that we wore in high school and middle school is, like, stapled into life now. Like, skinny jeans, everybody owns skinny jeans now. They are not just the, you know, the kids going up to Indian Rock for all you Salina people. Nobody just shot <laughs> Right. It's like you can get graphic tees anywhere. Like, it's not a big de- deal. Wow. Every- I love it. You can even get into the topic of just how different music was at that time than it is now. I mean, this yeah. was still a golden age of full-length albums. Absolutely. I mean, this is 14, 13 with a hidden track. That You don't see that very often. Because we had to buy, we had to go out and get our dang albums, though. Yeah. We had to go to the House of Sight and Sound and pop through there and get our CD and then listen to the whole thing. Or, uh, like, it's that, it's the normalization of uh, uh, streaming services. Yes. For you kids, do you hear this? This is how we used to know lyrics. It's a piece of paper from a CD in the case. Got some lovely picks, too. All the picks and lyrics, you know who wrote everything. They still make CDs. I know that they do. Nobody buys them though. Hey, careful who you say. I'm talking to the kids. I'm not talking to anybody our age. I'm talking to the kids. The kids. <laughs> so I am disenchanted by that. One. Oh. Disenchanted. Into the track, disenchanted. This is Colton's favorite. I, oh my god, I love it. Yeah. This was another one that was. I'm gonna let you go on this one. On the album. That was what? I'm not about to be on the album. Mikey Way was the one that pushed for the oh, song to be on the album. And I would be, I would have been so upset for it to not be because this, this one hits hard. Yeah, no, it does. Uh, number one, it's I think it is the most Queen sounding song on the ooh, album. Ooh. Um, yes, from the guitars to the the even the beginning of the song. I mean, they they sing the word Queen. I was there on the day. When, they sold the cause for the Queen. The yeah. Mm. Yeah, I love this album, or this album, this song. Um, I think, like I mentioned earlier with I Don't Love You, this is another version of death. Yeah. This is, it really is like a death of a soul to me. Like, it's this person giving up or or seeing someone else give up, maybe. Because they talk about all my heroes turning to selling cars on TV. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it just from the first time I heard it, it it's it's hit me really hard. Great song. Is that it? Is that all? Is that, is that all? I I mean I I don't have anything to add to that actually because it is it is just. Yeah, I've always taken it the same way as sort of a reflection on like. It's, we, I talked about it being the eleven o'clock number, to the show. I think it really. You, you mentioned um, sleep being, when he kind of accepts his death. I think this is the song where he kind of accepts. I think death. sleep is. Let me let me clarify. I'm so sorry. I think sleep is when he he accepts his death for the people he left behind. Oh, yeah. I think this is when he accepts it for himself. Yeah, and it's it's so... Uh, I mean, this is a real personal... This is almost a monologue to yourself yeah. kind of song. And it's that... Uh, man. It's the, the disen, you know, disenchanted. It's the disenchantment with life. Mm-hmm. Like, losing the... Not seeing the luster that it had before, you know? I think that's... The, man. And it's... it's Beautiful song. It's hard to listen to those lyrics sometimes. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah I can't listen to this if I'm, if I'm in the wrong mood, y'all. <laughs> At all. And so we hit the last track. Quote, unquote. Listed. <laughs> Famous last words. Uh, so now we move on to the final track. <laughs> Famous last words. The final listed track, rather, of Famous Last Words. And this one was the other one that came about during the time Mikey was away. Um, It was sort of about Mikey's deterioration, about the end of Gerard's six-year relationship, about Gerard going crazy himself, um, and about the band as a whole. Um, I was talking about something. The Heavy Room. They had a place yes. called The Heavy Room in the house uh, in which they would all go in there and just sort of, like, be brutally honest with one another. And so they, like, um, basically just, like, letting themselves bleed for the album. Um, yeah. And this was the three of three singles, correct? I think our math might be wrong on that, but we would have to double check. Well, mm. let me double check then. Because <laughs> I, I remember distinctly Welcome to the Black Parade and Famous Last Words, but then I also remember a music video for I Don't Love You. Oh. I don't love and, you. Uh, oh, and the, and the video for Teenagers. <laughs> so there might have been like three official singles and then they just made four more. singles oh was black te- parade famous last words i don't love you and teenagers so, oh, so, right. so i yeah okay yeah. okay 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 um, which makes sense oh my god oh what'd you just learn oh never mind child i'm sorry a little bit of a tangent you can cut this out if you want to we'll i just i just read that uh that there are a few songs that were added to guitar hero 2 um, you could buy them, but they were on Xbox 360, and I had a Wii, so I just had a uh, moment where I thought maybe I didn't know about that, and I didn't, because there was a moment that I thought, and I still think, that it would have been perfectly fine to do an entire Guitar Hero around this album. <laughs> like, they did they did one over Aerosmith. They, yes. they did a whole game just over Aerosmith, and it was terrible. Well, I mean, it was Aerosmith's entire career. But it was terrible. It was, yeah. 
Anyway, okay, sorry. Go on. Famous last words. Famous last words. You talked about the heavy room. I talked about the heavy room. What's this song about, you guys? What's what's going on with the patient? This is the last oh, song. I don't know about the patient. I don't. I don't think. I, I never thought about this from the patient's point of view. No. I always thought. It, I always thought of it as the people left behind, sort of like I almost think. I don't know. This like. I, this, this is going to seem very strange, but I, if we did a musical on this, this would be the one finale where the the lead was not in it for me. Oh. Like, See, I feel like this is the, this is the one where gone. they finally remove themselves from what's just happened, and he's he's now gone. And really, those lyrics at the end, what's, what is it that everybody's chanting at the end? I'm not afraid to keep on living. I'm not, I'm afraid, not afraid to, to live this, this world, world alone. alone. Yeah. Honey, so, if you stay, you'll be forgiven. Nothing you can say can stop me going home. Yeah. Which I'm not saying he can't, the patient can't be involved. I just don't. I never but, thought about this from, was from his perspective. I guess. Yeah, those lines make it sound like it's from, you know, it ties into what you were saying earlier about how it, the one death affects other people. Right. Like it's from their but perspective. But other people still have to keep going. Right, exactly. Like this That's is their lesson to learn. I'm going uh, yeah, to take that it makes sense. a step further. I have always looked at this song as. Uh, like a day in the life on Sergeant Pepper, how day in the life is like after the whole pretense of the concept is gone. Yeah. And this is the band summarizing the album for you. Yeah. Um, I've it's, it, it definitely still fits within the story of this album, but I definitely have always felt like this is where my chemical romance comes back and like summarizes the album for you. Yeah. Shuts uh, it down. Yeah. It also like, sounds like a my chemical romance song yes it does it is very atypical so that's that's what it's always been for me is kind of where the concept drops but like it's not really being dropped it's it's like the moral at the end of the the story yeah the summation of it all yes yeah i get it i get it i'm with you i'm with you it also i also looked at it that way because you had a whole album of them pretending to be a different band and this is them kind of like Coming back. Coming back, yes. And saying, like, all these things that we said, we don't really believe this. Like, we really, we think well, l- there's more to life than, than what we've said. And what's what's very interesting about that perspective, let's just mm. say, okay, is that it is very common for people when they find out they're dying to do crazy things. Oh, and sure. to go off the rails and to do atypical things that would not be something they would do in a normal day-to-day life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So this, just the album itself not being normal can my chemical romance almost yeah. speaks to that, to the theme itself yeah. in a way. Yeah. But yeah. then coming back to this is us. I think they definitely fully recognize that they could not do this album as my chemical romance. Um, I think they, they knew that it just sounded too different to call themselves the same thing. Um, so I think it was a very wise decision to change, you know, take the concept band approach, you know. And weirdly enough, as dark as the album is, because it, it, I mean, it's not. <laughs> it's not like it's a heavy, not depressing super, kind It's of not dark. super depressing, but it's really not for the faint of heart. Like, if you have True. any fears about, if you have, not if you have any fears, because I think we all have fears about death, but if you have any real visceral fears about death, this album would not sit well with you. Like, it's right. not something that 
if you're not trying to get comfortable with that or trying to get comfortable with some some something outside of yourself, this album will not sit well with you. Yeah. I just rewatched um, an episode of the Midnight Gospel, um, the episode where the host Duncan has a one last conversation with his mom who has oh, yeah, yeah. metastatic breast cancer. Was that right? Metastatic. Thank you. Um, Metastatic. Um, That's not an easy word to say. Thank you for correcting me. Um, at any rate, he uh, was sort of asking advice um, from her because she's been told like by six different doctors that she has two months to live and she's been alive for five years now. Yeah. Um, and she talks about how turning toward death, um, how uncomfortable, what, however uncomfortable it may be, is probably the best. And that's like exactly what this album is doing: is examining that how oneself would react to that, what would happen if one did remove themselves from the picture, like what kind of domino effect it would have. Yeah, it's really not, if you're, if you're not looking to examine all that, this album, it ain't for you. Well, I, I also wanted to add to um, this particular song. Um, oh God, I lost my train of thought. Mm. I remember what I was gonna say. Uh, I was wanting to tie it back into my connection to this, to like Christmas Carol. This particular song also uh, is my one argument for the fact that the patient never actually dies. Um, Because this song always strikes me as like Scrooge after he's seen the visions of Christmas past, present, and future. He has this kind of revelation about the way he's been living his life. And to me, it's like the Black Parade came and got him as he was about to die, showed him all these different visions of death and all that. He came to a greater understanding of himself and death. And so now he can, you know, say his famous last words, like, I'm going to, you know, keep on living, yada, 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 yada. I also kind of like the connotation of the title of the song, too, famous last words, like... But I'm going to keep going. Yeah, well, it's like, you know... Everyone wants their their last words to be like you know something inspiring, and I feel like they really they really did it with this. And that song. phrase itself like has the connotation when someone says like famous last words. It's usually right. like so, like uh, they say something and then it goes like uh, yeah, the opposite then, direction. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's the end of it. Until. Until. Until you forgot to turn off the album and yeah. then kept playing and some weird shit came After, on real quick. Ooh, I love a hidden track. <laughs> After about, like, what, a minute and a half? Oh, yeah, yeah it's a solid, it's a, it's a minute. Yeah. At least. I I bought the thing on iTunes, um, so, like, it has the track listed Ugh. and separated. So yeah. Like, it takes the fun out of it. It just says hidden. Right, it's his blood parentheses hidden yeah. track. Um, but it's got the full, like, minute and a half of silence before you actually get into they the song. On, they put this hidden track on Spotify, too, so I think it's only if you were, like, one of the OGs who has the CD. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's <gasps> that's what I have. That's what fantastic. That? I still have the CD, Colton. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. I know where it is. <laughs> Gallons of the stuff. It's scratched all to hell would not play right now, but yeah. I love it. And see, this, I just think, like, we, you talked about teenagers being the curtain song. This this is the curtain song for me. Like, oh, yeah. It's short, it's sweet, and, well, I don't know about it's sweet. It's sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, it's short, and see, it strikes me as, like, 
you know, the whole cast is out on the stage and they all sing blood because everybody knows the song. I took that back. I thought, I think teenagers should be the, the, uh, the bows. Oh, right, right, right. Because that's when everybody's singing along and having a good time or whatever. And then I think blood should be the curtain. I think it should be like, we're done. Like, that's it. Everybody go home. Peace out. Like, it should be playing as people are walking out of the theater and like creeping them the fuck out. I saw the blood. A, blood yeah. should be yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they think everything's done, everything shuts down, everything gets real quiet, and <laughs> then all of a sudden, well, they you covered your complete cooperation. It turns like <laughs> it turns like real. It's always sunny, and they start like hitting people to yes, get them out of the theater. Exactly. <laughs> like everybody's chill and fine. Like oh my god, what a great show! Oh, it's so wonderful. That's so get great. Stop. <laughs> get out! Get out of here! It'd be so great. Uh, all the old people would run down the house too. Cause I'm such an awful fuck. See, I I personally love that they bleep that out in the album. <laughs> Cause it's such a like. Boop. It's like we've canceled the program. <laughs> the program is over. Kind of mimics a flatlining, don't you say? There's a theme, guys. Full circle, baby. Full circle. The theme. Well, Miss Jean, you, uh, you know, had some turmoil with this album. What, what do you think? Did you reconcile? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Lean in so the now. listeners well, know. Okay, so here's the thing: I would have had no appreciation for it at the time, and clearly, I mean, like. I didn't even give it a go, but I was a butt at the time. I was a snotty little teenager. Yeah, Weren't we like, all? Teenagers not, scared the shit out of me. It's not where I'm going. However, I've been really fascinated by the whole process, and I do think that it's like a solid album to listen through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If nothing else, I think it is a definitive album of the 2000s. Definitely. Truly. Truly. And I think My Chemical Romance is a definitive artist of the 2000s. Absolutely. Yeah. Exclamation. One of the, they, they were, relatively speaking, just kind of a flash in the pan. They, they were no. not around for very long. Yeah, but I mean, you I know. I mean, they're still around, but like they weren't, you know. They were active for a short amount of time. You say what? Because that back genre of music wasn't around very long. Wow. Like I feel like it, that whole thing was a flash in the pan. Like I feel like yes. that whole genre of music was like our high school career, and it's over. Like well, <laughs> that's it. And it's a it's so interesting to look at it career wise too, because like I was saying earlier, this is a time when full lengths were still the main thing, and EPs were kind of considered like the weird experimental things that bands mm-hmm. did. So you have this band that's really been around since the early 2000s, but they didn't put out all that much content, Yeah. even though they were together for you know a decent length of time. I mean, their last, I would say at least a decade. It, it, was, it was 12 years. 12 years is how long they were before they broke up. I mean, I think that, that also, you know, we were talking about earlier how we felt like this band sort of elevated the music of yes. that moment. I yeah. mean, the fact, like, think about, I mean, just not a Define weird comparison, it. but it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> Beyonce puts out an album every, like, what, two and a half Gene years or some shit all of a sudden, and it's bomb, and she's amazing, and it's like, I think that the fact that they didn't 
they weren't just throwing content out like oh, everybody yeah. else was, I think was the reason that they stood out mm-hmm. because they were able to really hone that and make it something different. All their tours were crazy. I mean, they toured this album for like three years and every album before that they toured for like three, four years at a time. I'm fascinated with them as a whole because I think they did a really fantastic job of like sweeping up this like ethos kind of thing. Yeah. Aesthetically and sound wise, like for sure they were, they were defining an era. Yeah. I like, like I know we've already kind of said this, but even, even if you didn't necessarily like the album that much, it still took this era and, and made it more than just the rock band playing it, their their album. Yeah. They made it into like a whole production. Like mm-hmm. it was, it tied into the current times and it like, yeah, there's just, there's so much to be said about it. And I, I will always look at it as the, the album that like made emo relevant for me. Cause I, I was never a big emo guy, uh, I didn't really like a lot of the bands labeled emo at that time, um, probably because I was just trying to be different. But like this particular one, I feel like it just bridged a lot of gaps between different genres and took something that could have just been a flash in the pan and made it into something memorable for, I mean, obviously we're still talking about it. It's yeah. 14 years later. I mean, I, I felt the same way. I was not an emo at all. Like I was telling yeah. you guys earlier, somebody we went to high school with actually recommended this album to me. And mm-hmm. I had never, I mean, I had listened to My Chemical Romance with my friends who were super into these bands and were going to the shows <laughs> and like, you know, and I was kind of on the outskirts, like at rehearsal going, I don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but this was introduced to me and it really, that was, this was my like, yeah real delve into I just remember getting so obsessed with so many random bands after this that all this kind of same yeah flow but this was the this was the album that got me in this is the one that like really yeah this I, that, sucked me in man I put this into like they're not the same thing but like pet sounds for me it, just taking the idea of one genre of music and making it grander than what it is you know but that's what all great artists do, man. Right, that's right. what all great artists do. That's what Queen did with rock. That's what Beyonce yeah. does with R&B, like, of all yeah. freaking things. It's like, if you elevate it to the next level, you're going to places. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm so glad we um, got to talk about this one. Yeah. This is uh, such a wild album. Um, I forget what we decided that we were going to talk about next, though. What do you guys want to get prepared for? You know what? Hair let's switch what it I mean. up and let's do hair, y'all. I think it's time for some musical theater and we'll do Black Star Nuts. It'll be a nice Y'all day. can wait. Okay. Hair. We're, we're going to be talking about the 19 musical <laughs> hair. Well, okay. We'll have better facts when we do it. Hair down to there. Hey All right. Ya. So join us next. It's brilliant. Join us. It's fresh. It's new. Sweet and subtle. It's Sheer so fun. relevant, y'all. Is should, I, should I get the sleeve? Do you want to read off the accolades? <laughs> no, I don't want to read off accolades. <laughs> Okay. Um, you guys, thanks for joining us if you did. Um, if you haven't listened to Black Parade, do it. It's going to be loud, but you're going to enjoy it. I promise. Um, yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.
No, something, something's about Lindsey Graham is terrible. 